Let's please take our seats. Let's take the seats so that we can get started. A very good morning to you all, and thank you very much uh, for joining us this morning, particularly those that uh, were at the party last night. I think the room is full, and thank you for coming through. Uh, just drink lots of water this morning, should be fine. Just on a few housekeeping matters, I got complaints yesterday that people go to, sessional, uh, to, 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 to the sessions and they don't switch off their phones. If you may please remember to put your phones on silent. Would like to wish all our Hindu members a happy Diwali. This is mostly celebrated tomorrow on the 19th but some regions celebrated today, so happy Diwali to all of them. The business of the day this morning, it's really about the awards to recognize the contribution and the achievements of some of our members, and also the presidential address. You can already see there is some reshuffling happening on stage there. The sad thing about the presidential term of ASA is that it's too short. It's just two years. It feels like yesterday when Roseanne gave the presidential address. So with that, I would like to call upon Roseanne uh, to take us through the awards ceremony and also in terms of handing over to Peter as the incoming president of the society. Good morning. Thanks, Ranti. Yes, so this morning is um, a celebration of, of achievements, so it's quite a nice um, task for us to have to, to get the, um, the day underway. And uh, so we have a, a number of awards to, um, to, to give out today, and the first ones are our top achiever awards. Um, these are the awards for academic achievers, which we instituted in 2010 when we introduced the um, South African qualification system with the fellowship subjects. So it's in made in respect of each of the um, specialist application um, subjects, but provided that the um, uh, board of examiners is satisfied that there is a candidate who has performed well enough. So, so I'm now going to announce the winners for 2017. And this, of course, is based on their performance in the 2016 um, exams. So there is a, a sort of one-year lag in terms of, of the awarding of the awards. So what I'm going to do is announce the, um, the awards per subject. And um, so if you can just hold your applause until the end. And, um, and I think that some of the recipients are in the audience. So please do then come forward um, as I read your names. So the first one is F201 for health and care, and that recipient is Yashtil Moodley. And then for F202, life assurance, the recipient is Ashraf Mula. For F203, the short-term insurance subject, the recipient is Aliska Fanikirk. And for F204, it's Maria Khursen, which is the pensions and other benefits subject. For F205, it's Ziad Bobat. And finally, for F206, Ernest Lowe. So congratulations to all of those recipients. You're close to the hours for them. 
Okay, well, that does save us a little bit of time. Well, the nice thing is, of course, that there were awards for across um, all of our fellowship subjects. So, thankfully, the Board of Examiners felt that everyone had performed well enough. <laughs> okay, so now we move on to, um, to the research um, prizes. And, um, and, and while I'm, I'm telling you about these, I'd like to call on, um, on Chart Esterhazer from RGA to, to come up. Um, and RGA have been a long-standing sponsor of the, um, of the research awards. So earlier this year, the, um, the committee, the research committee, um, did, uh, they are the ones who are responsible for adjudicating the various research prizes that we offer at the Actual Society. And they announced the winners of the prize for the best honors project at a South African university in 2016. So I'm just going to make mention of that today. That prize was awarded to Ashton Miller and Jared Nesbitt from Wits University. And their paper was entitled, A Strategy-Based Investigation into South African Interest-Bearing Variable Term Unit Trust Performances for the period November 2001 to March 2016. So when it comes to the, um, so actually let's just give them a round of applause. When it comes to, to the convention um, prizes, um, at this year's convention we actually have very few research papers um, that were submitted for, for award purposes. Usually we have um, uh, prizes from um, both RGA and, and Swiss Re, um, who have both been long-standing supporters of, um, of research in the, in the profession. But um, for, for this year's convention, the, um, the, the research committee announced that they were just going to award um, the prize for the best published research in, um, in 2016, which is the award that Chart is going to, um, to give today. And, um, and this is being awarded to um, Conrad Bears and his co-authors, Joel Dabrowski and Peter de Villiers, for their paper, Systemic Banking Crisis, Early Warning Systems, Using Dynamic Bayesian Networks Addresses... Oh, I'm not going to go on to the citation as part of the title, but they seem to be these lengthy titles. Um, so while I'm reading to you about, what this, um, about this paper, I'd like to call on Peter to come forward. I believe he is here. So this paper addresses the challenging question that many in the banking industry have been grappling with. Um, they propose a dynamic Bayesian network methodology for use as an early warning system for a pending banking crisis. And they found that this method provided the means to model system dynamics and could be used to calculate the probability of an impending crisis. So very important work indeed. Um, and they, the committee found that this proposed solution was both innovative and valuable to the practicing actuary in the banking area, where hopefully we will continue to lead the world. So thank you so much for the work you've done. So I would like to though congratulate the authors of, um, of the prize winning papers and, and also of, um, of all the papers and, and the, the research um, and, and the presenters at the convention. I would like to encourage you to, to think about converting presentations into papers because it is a good way to make sure that future authors can build on the work that has been done. And, um, and I'd also like to acknowledge um, Mike McDougall and the work that he's done in getting the SA Actuary um, underway. Um, as you've seen in your packs, you have got that third issue already, and, um, and I think that's another way for us to promote um, research in the, um, in the profession. So I hope that at, the, at next year's convention we'll have many more prizes to, um, 
to award. Okay, so that brings me to the Green um, Exhibitor Award. So let me tell you about this award. It was introduced in, um, in 2014 um, to emphasize the convention's sustainability efforts and to shine additional spotlight on our um, exhibitors. And I'd really like to thank all the exhibitors for their support of the convention. So we have a panel of, um, of four judges. The judges were um, Karen Heron of Earth Probiotic, Rian Kutsia of the Actuarial Society, um, Koji Naidu of the Santon Convention Center, and Renee Lucan of African Agenda. So they have um, scored the exhibition stands on six criteria. Those criteria are design, materials, operations, transports, beyond green, and innovation. And they took into account environmental, social, and economic factors in the evaluation of these um, criteria. So what happens is the winner is going to receive this ginormous floating trophy, um, which they may display for the whole year, and a smaller trophy that they get to keep forever. Um, and they also get um, a single exhibition stand, the first choice of position at um, next year's convention. So quite a prestigious award. So the judges have noted here that they were very impressed by the efforts made by many of the exhibitors, and, um, and they wanted me to highlight just a few of the actions that really did impress them. The first was that a number of stands impressed with the use of public transport and carpooling, so a lesson for us all. Um, they noted that SA3 provided indigenous plants that were sourced locally, um, that Munich Re brought the wow factor through their simplicity, and that most of the stands made use of the reusable tension fabric. But the real competition for the award came down to two stands, and that was between Swiss Re and Munich Re. Can you feel the tension building here? <laughs> Swiss Re impressed the judges with their CSI project. Their stand was themed around providing positive messages to the community to reduce their carbon footprint. Munich reused the convention combined with their outreach program taking place tomorrow. And all of their jelly beans will be given to the children at the home that they are improving. So, the winner of the Green Exhibit Award for 2017 is Munich Re. So while they're coming up, just to say congratulations, you are um, showing your leadership in terms of a commitment to sustainability, and, um, and we really encourage all of the exhibitors to keep up this, um, this good work. Okay, so the next um, award that I'm moving on to is the President's Award. So the President's Award was first made in 1992, and um, it was aimed at encouraging particularly younger members to produce papers for discussion at the meetings of the society. Um, but Mike Levitt was the first president who used his presidential prerogative to extend the award to cover the work of other members that have assisted in furthering the cause of the profession. And since we have now introduced um, prizes for papers, such as the ones sponsored by Swiss Re and RGA, as we've awarded this morning, the focus of this award has been on recognizing excellent service to the profession. So today I'm exercising my presidential prerogative, while I still have it, to make this award to someone who has been both an invaluable source of support to young members 
and a major contributor to furthering the cause of the profession. So I think I am not the only person in this room to have been guided along the path to qualification and the tough road that has followed that by this year's recipient of the President's Award. This person has been my lecturer, my guide, my sounding board, and my friend for nearly 30 years. During this time, I have been amazed by the personal energy and resources he continues to put into actuarial education and the individuals that he is teaching. He is a committed teacher, but also a skilled and experienced actuary who brings clear thinking to the classroom and the boardroom alike. But I would say that it is in the classroom where his passion really lies. It is incredible to see the amount of time that he puts into working with students individually, literally one-on-one, -on -one, and working with programs like the South African Actuaries Development Program. Not only that, but seldom a week goes by without him taking students to dinner, to the orchestra, or to other cultural events that might, they might not otherwise have had access to so that they can broaden their perspectives. Not only that, but he must have put tens of thousands of rands, if not more, of his own money into helping students who come from underprivileged backgrounds. He has found them accommodation, he has bought them meal packages, and he's helped with books and accommodation and calculators. He makes it his personal mission each year to make sure that his actual graduates find the jobs that they are suited to, and then his interest and guidance doesn't end there. He not only remembers the names of all our graduates, I'm really so bad at that, but also some interesting anecdote about them as well. He's also made a huge contribution to the Actuarial Society over the years. He served on the task team which looked into the establishment of the local education system and is a member of the education board for more than a decade. He has made a definitive contribution to the CSI committee and to the academy mentorship scheme as well. Not only that, but his loyalty to the South African profession has stimulated many to become involved and to remain involved. So, it gives me great pleasure to make this award, and I do so with great gratitude to the recipient, Stephen Jurish. Now, there's still one more, the Murray Medal. The Murray Medal is the most prestigious honor that the Actuarial Society can bestow on one of its members. Consideration of making this award takes place annually, and although the award does not have to be made on an annual basis, the main reason for making the award is outstanding service to the actuarial profession. So there is a panel comprising of council and a group of past presidents and previous recipients of the award that agree to, must unanimously agree to make this award. And this year it was a unanimous agreement. The motivation is the recipient's contribution within the Actuarial Society in general, 
But in this case, usually behind the scenes as a member or chair of various actual society structures. And with this is with specific reference to his contribution in respect of professionalism and professionalism education within the society. I'm going to give you a little summary of the kind of things that he has been doing, but I, if I was to, to read all of the achievements and contributions made by this recipient, I think I would use up the whole morning. So first of all, as a co-presenter of the professionalism course for recently qualified actuaries at the time, he developed the Actuarial Society's um, course, which was originally a one-day event and then turned into the two-day residential event that many of you will have participated in. Feedback from attendees as well as external reviewers from the institute and faculty has been so positive that it's been a contributing factor with the education system in terms of facilitating our mutual recognition agreements with other actuarial bodies. And then during the period when um, complaints by members were considered on ad hoc committees, um, he worked as a, as a, uh, in, on the investigating committee and considered um, complaints against fellow members and subsequently um, was part of the process in terms of setting up a more formal tribunal structure. Under the current system, he's investigated several complaints as investigator um, and appointed by the disciplinary committee and this is an important part of making sure that our professional promise has credibility. He has presented some 15 papers on professionalism and professionalism education at both local and international events, including a dramatized version of court proceedings at a previous convention. And one of his papers has also won the RGA Prize. He's played a major part in shaping the society's first guidance on damages and expert witnesses, and two of his papers on damages were published in the South African Actuarial Journal, bringing his total contributions to the journal to eight and counting. His research into professionalism and the education of professionals, which saw yet another paper published in the South African Actuarial Journal, formed the basis of the society's decision to introduce normative skills education, as well as the system of lifelong learning. These proposals have subsequently found considerable favor in the international actuarial community to the extent that they have influenced the thinking on the new IAA syllabus. And of course, our intro the introduction of our um, outcomes-based CPD is also garnering international interest, and I think the world is going to be following us. He rewrote the exposure draft of the first code of conduct developed for members of the society and restructured this content to align with our professional promise. And his revised draft was the one that was finally approved after he had presented it to our actuarial governance board. So as I mentioned, he's been instrumental in the redevelopment of the society's um, CDB, CPD program since 2007, um, and of course another development that is being monitored by the IAA. So it gives me great pleasure to award the Murray Medal, the highest accolade in the actuarial profession, to Mickey Lauder. Okay, we will make it, we will, I'm, I'm hoping that someone will have recorded what I said, otherwise I will say it again. Okay, so now I'm going to move on to, um, to the um, council elections and, um, and the, um, the presidential address. So first of all, as we have um, indicated to you previously in a communication, um, the we had um, a nomination process for the council members and president-elect. 
but due to us um, receiving another number of nominations being equal to the number of, um, of vacancies, then we didn't need to have an election. Um, and, um, and so Lisani Malotzi was elected, duly elected, as, um, as president-elect to succeed Peter when he steps into my shoes. Um, we did have an election, though, for the student representative, and I have great pleasure in announcing that the Leroy Alcock is the student representative who was duly elected to this office. So, Leroy, thank you for standing for that position. So, that gives us... The council for 2018, um, you can see there on the, on the slides, and, um, and I'd like to note the, um, the, council, the new council members who come in as part of the 2018 council, and that is Anne Livingston, Motlatsi Motlanyani, who was co-opted onto council last year, and also Paul Zondach. And thank you so much to those council members who are continuing um, their service to the profession and for the willingness of the new council members to, um, to step into, into this role. I'd also like to make particular uh, mention of the council members who are, um, who are retiring. So to Toby Hope, to Johan LaRue, and to Nico van der Kolf, thank you so much for your support and contribution during your terms of office. It really is appreciated. And I'd also like to thank Stephanie De Silva for serving as the student representative this year. I'm really pleased that she is no longer eligible to stand for this position as she has completed her exams. Okay, so now the end is near. I face my final curtain. I hope you get that reference. I must say that it has been the greatest honor to serve this profession as president. I have had the most amazing time, and I hope that I have done it my way. There have been some challenges, but I have had an incredible time and have had the opportunity to be involved in so many interesting and stimulating discussions and projects. I continue to be in awe of the incredible people who are South African actuaries, and the team at the ASA office who have been so committed in making this job really not that difficult. It has been really wonderful working with you all. Thank you, thank you for giving me this opportunity and experience. It will stay with me forever. So I would really like to now call upon Peter Withy to receive this medal and take on the mantle. Peter, I'm gonna wish you well to wear it and take the profession forward. They really are quite a good bunch. <laughs> they are indeed. My, my first honor is to present Roseanne with her past president's medal. <laughs> you will note that I was not brave enough to try and pin it on her. <laughs> Two years ago, I sat in the same room having just been elected as the new president-elect of ASA for 2016-2017 and president for 2018-2019. At that time, the concept of being president of this society was still a little theoretical, but now the reality is rapidly arriving. It is a bit like that first experience of qualifying as a fellow. 
It's all a bit unreal until you sign that first report or letter as a FASA, and then it hits home. So here I stand now with the concept of being the 60th president of ASA and starting in three months' time, or thereabouts, serving you for the next two years is almost a reality. I am filled with a myriad of emotions, to mention a few. Honor at what you have afforded me, apprehension at what challenges we might see and what uncharted waters we might need to cross over the next two years. Confidence in the people of this profession who will be able to deal with any such challenge. Humility and comfort that I do not serve this alone, that I serve together with others since the presidency of ASA is not a solo affair. I look forward to working with the highly competent staff in the office, the new president-elect, Lusani, and the council to grow and develop this profession further. I am also very mindful that I stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before. And in this regard, I would specifically like to acknowledge Roseanne, who has led us so ably for the last two years, and who I have had the privilege and pleasure of working with and learning from over this time. Thank you, Roseanne. In my president-elect information sheet two years ago, and you can't expect to read this, I stated the following. In answer to the question, in my view, the biggest challenge facing the Actual Society at present is the continued relevance of the profession to the South African environment. With increasing competition from other professions and disciplines, actuaries and ASA need to remain relevant. Two particular elements stand out. Valued professionals, it is imperative that the profession continues to be seen as valid, valid, valued professionals, adding value to employers, clients, and wider communities. Failure in this area runs the risk that we become seen as technical experts rather than valued professionals. This needs to apply in our traditional areas of expertise, but also needs to extend to other areas such as banking, risk management, and data analytics. Remember, I said this two years ago, we're already well on the path. Transformation was the second aspect that I spoke of. If ASA's current demographic profile does not rapidly change, we run the risk of losing credibility in the South African context and will become less relevant to society as a whole and less desirable as a professional option for bright young students. We need to make concerted efforts at all levels in the path to qualification to increase the number of South African black fellow members. In answer to the question, if elected as president-elect, I shall try to, I answered, I will seek to continue to build on the foundations laid by previous presidents to react to the challenges noted above. I will also continue to develop and build on the competence and stature of South African actuaries in the global actuarial community. For a relatively small association by international standards, I believe that we carry far greater influence than our size indicates. This is due to the roles played by South African actuaries in the international actuarial and insurance world, as, by, as well as innovations like the development of the banking fellowship qualification, 
We must jealously guard this reputation by continued involvement and by ensuring the quality of South African actuaries. I remain convinced that these views are as valid today as they were then when I penned them. And I trust that you will see these aspects flow through this address and through my presidency. Now, Roseanne has had in her presidency the theme of relevance, proportionality, and integrity. And at risk of getting an FA or lower because of plagiarism, when the academics in the room mark this address, I intend for my theme, for my presidency, to be relevance. I see this theme playing out in three aspects. Relevance as ASA and as individual actuaries to society and the public. Relevance of ASA to our members and relevance as ASA to the broader international actuarial community. At the start of this year, Council held a strategic planning workshop and out of that came a number of themes that I believe are also woven into all these aspects of relevance. Transformation, research, education, communication, and volunteerism were the top five. The new council will need to revisit these and the other 10 that were on the list and confirm and adjust them, but I feel that these will likely remain uh, the same in broad strokes, even if the de details may alter. Overriding all of this is the need to, that we have to deliver on our professional promise. It is the professional promise that differentiates us from being technicians only. How then does one present these intricately interlinked elements in a single picture that we, or at least I, can keep in front of you as I serve you as president? I could go with concentric rings, but that didn't enthuse me. Too boring. I could go with a three-legged stool, or perhaps a rope of three strands that anchor together. But I didn't like any of those. And I have chosen what I consider to be a uniquely South African, or at least African image, the three-legged pot. You might well have wondered why you've seen this theme of the three-legged pot in the South African actuary and in your conference bags. Well, now the secret is out. So let's talk about this pot. The pot represents the society, represents ASA, and the contents are professional promise. The three legs represent these three strands I have spoken of. And the fire represents the strategic priorities that we have identified. If we do not deliver on the strategic priorities, or any one of these legs is missing, the structure cannot deliver, and the product is certainly not optimal. Uh, I don't claim to be very good at working with three-legged pots, and I've spilt stuff into the fire many a time while trying to do that. But, uh, so the issue is how do we make this all work? It is difficult to decide which of these three strands to start with. But I've chosen to start with the international strand. One of the selling points of the actuarial profession has is the international recognition of the qualification and the profession. In the past, the FIA or FFA designation gave one an international qualification. 
and the fear of many when the localization of the actual fellowship exams supporting the FASA qualification was initiated was that we would lose that portability. This is not the case. Because of the quality of the FASA designation and the mutual recognition agreements that we have established with many actuarial associations around the world. We continue to work on this and have recently at the IA meetings in Chicago two weeks ago opened discussion with the American Academy of Actuaries around practicing as an actuary in the USA. However, while the formal agreements might be important, I believe that it is what we do that makes the difference to our international recognition. Let me start off by saying that while I might be a bit biased, I believe that South African actuaries are exceptional and among the best in the world. I do not know what the root cause of this is. Maybe it's the nature of our turbulent history that makes us innovative and resourceful. Maybe it's the early exposure that many actuaries in South Africa get. Or is it something else? Nonetheless, South African actuaries are innovative and doers in the actuarial world. It is my understanding that many dynamic product changes over the years, such as dread disease, have emerged in South Africa. And more recently, the preeminent role of uh, the profession in banking and establishment of an outcomes-based CPD truly make us among leaders in the international actuarial world. This can be seen in the IAA, where the ASA is highly respected and often actively consulted amongst alongside organizations that are much larger. This has been reflected in us having over 10% of the leadership roles in the IAA, despite being only the 10th largest association. A number of these roles are in emerging areas, such as microinsurance, banking, and data science, where South Africans are in chairman or vice chairman positions. Only the UK and the US have more people numerically involved in IAA leadership structures than we do. In looking back over previous presidential addresses, I noted that more active involvement in IAA matters was noted as a strategic priority in the early 2000s, and we see the fruit of that today. However, much of this involvement has been through the sterling efforts of a relatively small group of stalwarts, such as the late Garth Griffin in the Sierra space, Desmond Smith as president of the IA, Peter Doyle as an executive committee member, Emil Stipp in the healthcare space, and Andrew Gladwin in leading the global actuarial syllabus changes, to name but a few. Some of these are now retiring, and a new group is taking their place. And it gives me great pleasure to announce that Roseanne Murphy-Harris has been appointed to the IAA Executive Committee with effect from 1 January 2018. These initiatives need to continue, and we need members to step up and get involved. In my mind, if we do not continue to remain relevant in the international actual community, we run the risk of being isolated on the tip of Africa and losing both the ability to influence and the ability to blend international best practice with what works here and to learn from the experience of other markets. May this never happen. This clearly links to the next strand, the relevance to our members. ASA provides the enabling environment for actuaries in South Africa. We have moved from our founding structure almost 70 years ago in 1948, 
of a group of UK qualified actuaries practicing here in South Africa, forming a society for mutual support and guidance to a professional body today, providing education and accreditation of actuaries in South Africa, as well as all those same support functions and more. In my mind, remaining relevant to our members requires us to provide services that are needed, but also to provide opportunities for members to participate in that. Let me consider some specifics. We provide and must maintain a world-class education system, right from the universities through to associateship and fellowship qualifications. Despite the challenges in the national education system, such as weak maths and science scores and funding challenges. The actuarial education system is clearly relevant to all our categories of membership, both in the services it provides and in the high standing it maintains for us all. However, herein lies both a risk and an opportunity. Our education system is highly dependent on volunteers. So to all of you involved in this aspect of service to the society, I salute you. It is good that this is not too professionalized in order to maintain relevance to the practice of being an actuary. But at the same time, I recognize that it is hard work and we appeal to our members to continue to step up and serve. We also have extensive structures to provide practice-specific education and professional framework for our work. And again, the opportunities to serve are wide and varied. Let me note that volunteerism is a major strength of the society, but also a potential point of risk. So to all of you who are already serving in ISA structures and activities, I acknowledge you and thank you for your service. To those not yet involved, let me remind you today that you enjoy the fruits of those who volunteered in the past, and I challenge you to get involved in the future. Apart from the personal benefits that you will gain from volunteering, it will help you to, to ensure that the profession remains relevant to its members. We also maintain a strong professionalism culture and the code of conduct. The code of conduct not only sets the standards, but also provides a useful framework and reference point when dealing with tricky, tricky issues. It needs to be a helpful framework that is relevant and helpful. It has been a particular reference point for me over the last months as I have considered how my employment with KPMG affects my ability to conduct my role of president, and this is a process that I am continuing to work through. We also have a groundbreaking approach to CPD that we have introduced, and through this convention, seminars, and sessional meetings, we provide opportunities to continue and grow, to grow and develop our knowledge. However, one area where I'm not sure we're achieving as much as we should is in the area of research. Research has been identified as one of the key priorities and it feeds into being able to meet our professional promise and to be uh, seen as thought leaders. Unfortunately, there seems to be a view that this is something that should be parked in the hands of the academics. But we, as a society, believe that there is more that practitioners can and should be doing to extend this. It has been suggested that there is indeed a lot of research happening in industry, but, that, but much of that does not reach the public domain because of commercial interests. If so, it would be good if more of this could be brought into the public arena so as to enhance our reputation as thought leaders. However, in our unique context in South Africa, Relevance to our members requires ASA to engage with all our members. This is our transformational challenge. 
While we have made some progress in the space, and here I acknowledge the work done by SAADP, ASABA, and the ASA Academy, transformation requires us to develop a culture of fairness and inclusion so that every member feels welcomed, appreciated, and inspired to succeed and contribute. Evidence suggests that we have not reached that point and continued change is needed. That change needs to be in the hearts and minds of all of us and requires an open engagement with one another. Let me digress for a moment or two and share some of my own journey in the hope that it might help some people and move this critical dialogue in our profession forward. Let me share from my limited, but hopefully growing understanding, an understanding that has learned that this is way more than an intellectual and cognitive acceptance that change is necessary, and requires self-reflection, introspection, and emotional engagement with it. An understanding that there are deeper aspects, such as the concept and reaction to privilege, which was highlighted in the university protests. And as I have moved on this journey, I have started to read more on this and related topics, to follow some blogs, try to listen to others with diverse views and lived experiences to, different to myself. My participation in a few facilitated workshops and my involvement with the Transformation Committee over these last two years have opened my eyes further and influenced my thinking. I've also started to deliberately try to engage with people in the profession who do not look like me or necessarily share the same worldview. The session at last year's convention, and I thank Shivani for her role in that, and the subsequent sessional meetings have played a role in, in increasing my understanding, helping me to gain a much better understanding of the complexities of transformation. So what insights or snippets of learning have I gained so far in what I would call my enlightenment on the subject? I have recognized that I have a whole load of unconscious biases, that I need to find a way to uncover these and to deliberately try to deal with them. These can manifest in the words I use, the way I say things, and the attitudes and behaviors that I exhibit. It is because of the realization that I have unconscious biases that manifest in my words and behaviors that if I'm asked today, am I a racist? I am more likely to answer, not intentionally so. Because I'm pretty certain there are times when I say or do things completely unintentionally that could be interpreted as being racist. I've also learned that privilege and white privilege are real and have an impact on opportunity and other aspects of our lives, often without us realizing it. When these used, words are used, the privileged often feel that there is judgment and guilt to be associated with them. My understanding is that such attitudes and reactions are unhelpful. That privilege is, and once we recognize where we have it, the real challenge is then what we do with it. I've also learned that progress in this area is not anti-white men, but rather that whiteness and maleness should not be seen as normative, and that we must recognize the value and dignity of every person. Ultimately, I think that the most important thing I have learned 
is that I need to engage and try to listen. To listen to understand rather than to listen to respond. To listen to people who are different from me even if it is painful to hear some things. One would think that this is obvious. We do it in business strategy sessions by encouraging alternative views. But when it comes to something as personal as transformation, we tend to shy away from it and prefer to talk in the bubble of like-minded people. I have learned that we need to turn the profession into a place where every view is wanted and respected. If we initially have to create spaces, safe spaces to do this, then so be it. In this regard, in one of the sessional meetings on transformation, the question was asked, why do we not hear white males saying anything? And I realized that I was keeping quiet because I felt that my view was neither wanted nor respected in the situation. But then it dawned on me that many people in our profession, in our businesses, feel exactly that same way all the time. This needs to change, especially in the profession. So arising from my journey thus far, I am more convinced than ever that it is incumbent on all of us, and especially those of us who have traditionally had a dominant and privileged position, to open our eyes, ears, and minds, to listen to the lived experience of our colleagues, and to learn where our paradigms need to change to enable the profession as a whole to move forward to being relevant in our very specific context. So I challenge us all to find these opportunities for this engagement, such at the workshops at this convention, which I believe unfortunately are already full, and the activities that AWF are promoting. This engagement with transformation by all of us is key to the development of our profession, and Council has strongly recommended that each one of us should be considering how we should be engaging with this topic. And remember that activities like this fit well into the new outcomes-based CPD structure, as they will undoubtedly make you a better actuary. How much more will we as a profession become if everyone felt welcomed, appreciated, and inspired to succeed and contribute? In this space, I have been asking myself and others the question of what does good look like? And my challenge to you is to give thought to that question and send your thoughts on that and what practical inventions you should be doing to achieve it. For example, it has been suggested to me that good in the education process would be that the distribution of students entering the profession at the start of studies should be the same as qualifiers as associates and fellows at the end. During today, I've asked that there should be flip charts set up in the exhibition area to allow you to write down your ideas. And you can use the email address president at actuarialsociety.org.za to also send your thoughts to. However, transformation also not only requires a change in the demographic profile of the profession and a change in hearts and minds of all of us, but it also encompasses the work we do. This leads me to the last step part of our pot, relevance to the society and the public. In his 2010 presidential address, Temba Gamedze expressed the view that we need to challenge the value we provide to society or face becoming irrelevant. He stated, it is therefore becoming critically important for us as professionals in general and actuaries in particular to challenge ourselves vigorously about the value we provide to society. In doing so, we shall find ourselves already on the road towards retaining 
and extending the relevance of our contribution, even in an environment of historically unprecedented change. His sentiments are no less valid today than they were then. Relevance to society covers a wide range of factors, and this is where my statement at the time of my election as the president-elect of us being valued professionals comes into play. We need to be adding value, being relevant to our employers, clients, and the wider society. If we do not do so, we run the risk of being technicians and relegated to a less relevant role than we would like, and what we can add will be significantly reduced. An outcome that I would certainly not want to see Conversely, if we can demonstrate that we do add value beyond the technical expertise, we can most certainly expand our influence. I believe that we have done this well in the banking space and differentiate ourselves from other quants, but where else can we do so? For example, what do we add in the data analytics space that sets us apart from the data scientist? Whatever roles we play and whatever influence we have here in South Africa can be exhibited in the somewhat unique national situation that we have, where there is a confluence of the first world and the third world in one nation. To some extent, our influence in the past has been on the former, and I believe that we have done it well. Even recent, de even recent developments in enterprise risk, banking, risk and banking have probably been weighted towards these sectors. This we need to continue, but I also believe we need to speak into the latter portion more effectively. In order us to be seen relevant as here, we need to be seen as more than the privileged few who provide services to the narrow interests of established financial services, but are also those who credibly speak into financial inclusion, public policy, social security, retirement reform, national health financing, and the like, from an ethical and unbiased position untainted by commercial interest. Again, I refer to Temba's presidency, where in his 2012 presidential address, he said, it is surely about time for a significant number of actuaries to give consideration to developing their careers in the public sector, a challenge that remains for us today. In my view, this topic of relevance to society is fundamental to the development and growth of our profession. It is an area where research, education, and communication strategies all need to play a role. For example, should we be changing our education and services to meet the needs of Stockfelds, burial societies, and the more fintech versions of the shared economy? Furthermore, we need to recognize that the world of technology is racing on at an increasing pace, with new technologies developing all the time. I anticipate that this will require us to rethink some of our paradigms, and open ourselves to a whole load of new thinking. In this environment, we run the risk that unless we, proactively address, unless we proactively address it, we will be dealing with matters, developing solutions, and training actuaries for an environment that no longer exists. The good news, though, is that I believe that the nature of actuaries and our training is such that we can cope with all of this diversity, change, and ambiguity. So what may be perceived as a threat also provides the seeds of opportunity. As a profession, let us continue to grow and develop as we deliver our professional promise and seek to become increasingly relevant, especially in our nation. I look forward to these next two years and I pledge to seek to serve you 
as a servant leader to this profession, I thank you. Thank you, Peter. That was an inspiring presidential address. I'd like to, at this point, acknowledge and call to stage the president-elect, Lusani Mulauti. Roseanne has served us with distinction. Throughout her term of office, she was approachable, always willing to listen. And Roseanne, your leadership will certainly bear fruit like that of the other past presidents of the society. Roseanne's gender did not matter and never mattered, but it was indeed pleasing to have observed the second female president of the Chara Society in office. It showed the fruits of other past presidents, like Janina Slowski, who embraced transformation as the first female president of the society, are bearing fruit. And we'll hope going forward that every two years or so, or two terms or so, would have a female president of the society. With that, I would like to thank you, Roseanne, for your excellent service to the profession and wish you well. Peter, you bring a wealth of experience, both technically and socially. I've had many conversations with Peter on issues of transformation, and I've always myself left those conversations empowered with the insight that you have. We look forward to your capable leadership and wish you well with Lusani as you lead us in the next two years. Thank you. Now to some announcements. The first one is on the workshop. Nini Mulifi's workshop on the developing the skill of inclusion seems to be popular. And so there was a decision to extend the venue so that a few more people can be accommodated in the same value. Those who have already registered would have preference, and thereafter it will be on a first-come, first-served basis. The venue remains unchanged as boardroom three. Should you be interested in attending the workshop but not manage to do so today, please leave your details with the registration desk on the ground floor and the Chora Society will contact you with regards to future workshops. I also need to talk to you about the speaker voting in the app. At this point, a slide should be displayed here, there it is. When prompted to vote for the speaker of a session, so that's rating the speaker, please do so through the poll at the top of the screen when you have selected the section rather than the star rating. Votes on a poll will earn you eight points on the leaderboard, but more importantly, they will provide our speakers with valuable feedback on their presentation 
and organize the committee with guidance on next year's program development. There's a lost and found situation, if you can please come to me after the plenary session. With that, this brings an end to this morning's plenary. We have quite a short amount of time to transfer to the next sessions. Uh, if you can maybe swiftly make our way there. Thank you.